Welcome into a very special Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. And also our YouTube page, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as well as we get some long-form interviews for you there. Hit that subscribe button and check out the YouTube page of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. As I mentioned, it's a very special TWT as we talk about the life and times of the late Rocky Johnson. During the framework of this podcast, you will hear from Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer. He gives us quite the background of Rocky Johnson as a performer in the ring. Also, you'll hear from a former tag team champion with Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas. They were the first black WWF tag team champions together. Uh, You'll hear from Tony Atlas a day after he passed away, Rocky Johnson. So we'll hear from Tony. Also... You get some flavor of Rocky Johnson, uh, not only with him in the ring in Florida, but also some of his promos he had for the WWF back in the day. And, of course, his Hall of Fame speech will play for you as well, and so much more, all part of the mix right here on TWT. Well, the first time that I saw Rocky Johnson, when he was with the World Wrestling Federation, that was the first time that I saw him. Because I read about him in the magazines a lot, because he would wrestle in so many different places. Wrestling in Puerto Rico, wrestling in Portland, wrestling in Dallas, wrestling in Georgia. He was all over the place. And so the first time I really got a chance to see Rocky Johnson is when he was in the World Wrestling Federation. Now, I know that this passing comes across for some as, oh, Dwayne Johnson's dad passed away. But Rocky Johnson was so important to professional wrestling for a long time. He was a tremendous athlete. That's number one. And number two, he's a very unique athlete as well. Now, during the time of wrestling in the 60s and 70s, where you had you know, big guys kind of lumbering around and not a lot of action, Rocky Johnson brought something completely different to the table. So the African-Canadian, who was from Nova Scotia, had a very tough upbringing. His father died at a very early age, and he was living with his mom. And there was an incident where the mom's boyfriend was involved, and there was a scuffle between the mother's boyfriend and his mom. And there was a choice to be made, whether or not he was going to stay or leave. And the mother said, I'm going to choose my boyfriend over you. So Rocky Johnson left at the age of 13, out on his own, and making something of his life, moving to Toronto, Ontario, becoming a truck driver, began wrestling and being a sparring partner in boxing. You're going to hear a lot of this from Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer. But he had a very, very tough upbringing. And so we're going to really delve into Rocky Johnson, the wrestler, someone who held many championships regionally in the territory days and was a top contender always for the National Wrestling Alliance Championship in the 1970s when Harley Race held the title, when Terry Funk held the title as well. And he also was a big main fixture on the Memphis scene as well with Jerry the King Lawler. So he had a lot of great feuds and also some great entertainment that he provided to a lot of wrestling fans for a long, long time. So let's hear from Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer first and get his thoughts on the life and times of the late Rocky Johnson, who passed away at the age of 75. And he ended up in Toronto. He trained in boxing. He trained in wrestling. He liked wrestling more than boxing. Uh, but he did enough boxing. I mean, when when I was growing up in the 60s, 
I should say. He, he sparred at times with, he was a sparring partner of Muhammad Ali in the 70s when he lived here. He was a sparring partner of George Foreman when George Foreman was the heavyweight champion. And uh, Henry Clark, who was a California state champion, he used to spar with him. And um, from very early in his career, you know, he was, um, he was like a prodigy at this thing. Um, he was a main eventer very quickly. He was one of the top stars in Canada by two years in the business. Um, was in Japan for the tag team tournament by 69, teaming with Ernie Ladd. Uh, in in 19, late 1969, he came to Los Angeles and immediately they, they shot him to the top as the top baby face. And I know, like, I, I hate when you, and I'm doing this, um, you know, you Mike Tanay and I had this discussion just a couple of weeks. It was when Bearcat Wright got inducted into the Hall of Fame and we were, we, it was kind of like the comparison of the, the African-American stars, Bearcat Wright, Bobo Brazil and Rocky Johnson, who were all main eventers at different times in Los Angeles. And, you know, um, Bobo Brazil had the most charisma. Um, Mike was not that high on Bearcat Wright. Um, and he saw a lot more Bearcat Wright than I did. Um, was not a proponent of him being in the Hall of Fame. We had a long discussion about that. Uh, and then the, the, the basic point was is that, you know, Rocky Johnson was... As far as a worker, he blew the other two out of the water. He was by far the best of the three. Um, and um, he came to Los Angeles in late 69 and 1970 when they had the first 22-man battle royal at the Olympic, which was like the big staple event. Uh, Rocky Johnson not only won the battle royal, but he beat um, Great Kojika, same Great Kojika who still wrestles today, um, on the same night to win the America's Championship. So... On one night, essentially, they made him, he was made a national star because that battle royal was covered in all the magazines. The Olympic Auditorium Wrestling was covered in Japan in the regular newspapers because of um, Dan Westbrook and some of the other photographers there. They had great photographers there. And um, so Los Angeles Wrestling, as far as making a name and everything like that, it was instant. Rocky Johnson was a superstar, and he was there for a year, and he was the guy instrumental in the Fred Blassie babyface turn and and Blassie actually took Rocky's spot as the number one babyface in the promotion but they were selling out <clears throat> Blassie and Rocky Johnson was, <clears throat> were selling out <clears throat> excuse me constantly every other Friday night there at the Olympic um it was a big boom period Rocky was a, a big draw and then Rocky came Rocky had come to San Francisco a couple times um Usually as a tag team partner with Earl Maynard, the, the former Mr. Universe, Mr. Olympia contender. Um, and, um, and Rocky was, was so much better than Earl. You know, Earl, Earl had a great body. Um, some people thought Earl was a good wrestler. I never did. I mean, he, he was, put this way, Earl was a guy who was, um, who's still alive, by the way. Um, Earl was a guy that if you lived in a territory where the wrestling was average or shitty, you would see Earl and go, oh, man, what a great worker. But when you lived in a territory like San Francisco, where, you know, you were loaded with guys like Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson and Red Bastine and Rocky Johnson and Peter Maivia and people like of that level, um, Earl was not of that level at all. But, but Rocky and Earl, because of Rocky, you know, were a pretty... A strong team, but they never really fully clicked as a team because Earl 
Earl just wasn't at the level to be a champion uh, to me in, in San Francisco, in San Francisco wrestling, even though he would come in and, and get minor pushes and everything. He was not championship level. Um, and then Rocky came in full time, um, I'd say late 70, because I started watching in 71. Um, you know, my friends were all watching before that, but in 71, when I started watching, when, um, you know, um, Rocky was already like, when I knew about Rocky Johnson from the playgrounds, like Pampero Furpo, um, cause all the kids would imitate Rocky Johnson and Pierre Mavia and Pampero Furpo. They were the ones that got imitated, not, not Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson, who were the, the star, the, the best workers, but because Rocky Johnson, you know, was uh he he did those super high drop kicks he the best drop kicks he still to this day i would say the best guy i've ever seen for a series of drop kicks is rocky johnson i think okada if he did the same spot as rocky could probably be as good but i've never seen him do it so i can't say that factually but the key with rocky is he would drop kick to the top of the guy's head and he would do it three in a row. His, his, his big comeback, he would sell, 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 make the big fiery comeback. It was uh, the three high drop kicks. Uh, well, it was actually that he started with the, the Ali shuffle, you know, which at times he tried to claim credit that he taught Ali. I'm a little skeptical on that one, obviously. But the Ali shuffle, um, the three high drop kicks, the headbutt, and the Boston Crab submission, that was his, his finish of, of, of his normal matches. And he um, was a big favorite here um, at it for a time um, when Ray Stevens left in, in, in 71 to go to the AWA. And so before Pat Patterson turned in 72, Rocky was the number one babyface. And then when um, um, Patterson turned, Patterson pretty much was just an incredible worker and, um, and just whatever. Um, he had more appeal than Rocky. Um, even though Rocky had great appeal, um, and you know, they were a tag team, regular, regular tag team, uh, Pat Patterson and Rocky Johnson. Um, I saw them in so many great matches against every team that came in this area. And so, um, he was here for, you know, full time for four years straight until he left and went to Georgia. And then he'd, he'd come back at times. He went everywhere, everywhere he went, he was a main eventer, um, top guy, in the mid to late 70s, he would be, he was a guy, you know, most guys in that era, and this is what I would call like the difference between some people, like, this is one of those things that I will explain it. I'm going to try to explain it again, and people never figure it out, and they always get messed up, and they don't understand what I'm saying, so I'm going to try again. So to me, the key guys, what made you in the 70s a Hall of Famer, is that you were in demand. You did not work. Um, I mean, you, you would work a territory. Or in some cases, guys just cherry-picked and did big dates. Like Ernie Ladd would do big dates in multiple territories and wouldn't even stay in any, any specific territory. Like he would come here, you know, to work the Cow Palace in Sacramento, you know, for a few days, you know, every month. He would work in Los Angeles for a few days in every month. It wasn't like he was in a territory. He probably worked in... You know, all over, all over the country, because he was a big, he was a big freaking star. And um, other guys might have been territorial stars, but they were not necessarily in demand. Rocky was was pretty in demand in the sense of he might be based in Florida or in Georgia or whatever, any you know Carolinas, but he would be flown to San Francisco 
you know, for a big show, they would want to do something with him. Not not every week or anything, but he was a big enough star that he could always come in and, and, and be pushed and be in the main event. He was a regular in St. Louis, which was the number one, you know, in independent wrestling city, you know, in the country. I mean, in the sense that it was not a territory and they brought in the top guys and Rocky was a top guy. Um, Rocky was very well protected. Um, if you looked at the the issue I did on Harley Race, you'll see all the Harley Race Rocky Johnson matches. But Rocky was was always, uh, you know, being built up for the world title or or getting world title shots. Um, you know, he, you know, through, you know, for a several year period, he was one of the top guys. You know, St. Louis Hall of Fame, which is actually, in in many ways. Um, Rocky in the St. Louis Hall of Fame, that's probably the most exclusive and highest standard Hall of Fame that there is in pro wrestling because there's only about, you know, maybe two dozen guys in the, in the whole entire Hall of Fame. Some thoughts there from Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer on Soul Man Rocky Johnson. You think about Soul Man Rocky Johnson, as I mentioned, African-Canadian, raised in Nova Scotia. I looked at his championships so Johnson became the first African-American, it says African-American, but he's from Canada, but the first black wrestler to win the Southern Georgia and Florida Heavyweight Championships before starting his career with the WWF back in 1983. So many great matches against Greg Hammer Valentine and Adrian Adonis and Don Morocco. Some great matches that he had. And you heard Melter talk about the dropkick, right? That is true. Just go on YouTube and check it out for yourself. You think about some of the great dropkicks in the history of the business. Um, Coco Ware is right there. Uh, Coco Beware, for some of you that watched him in the WWF. I saw him in Memphis and saw him uh, with Mid-South and the UWF. And Coco had a great dropkick. Um, Jim Brunzel of the AWA, great dropkick. You mentioned Okada right now, currently, uh, a terrific dropkick. But you take a look at, at Rocky Johnson for everything that he brought to the table. Just remember, we're talking about a legacy wrestler right here because during the 60s and 70s where it was not popular to have multiple black um, wrestlers on the card, he was able to wow the crowd. There's no question that he should have been heavyweight champion, but understand the time. He was just an attraction like midgets, or, uh, as they called him back then, or women wrestlers. Um, uh, black wrestlers are just an attraction to have. You have one black on the card, and you have something special. And uh, uh, unfortunately, that's the kind of era that Rocky brought in. But keep in mind that Rocky opened up doors not only for his son, uh, The Rock, but so many others to be able to break through and make the money that they're making today and have the prestige that they have today in professional wrestling. So RIP Soul Man. Uh, so some thoughts now from Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson were the first black tag team champions for the WWF. But every time that you bring up Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson, the first thing that comes to mind, oh, they didn't get along. They didn't get along. Well, do you ever find out why they never got along? I know they were short-lived champions, but that's a tag team there because they were so strong. When you see the builds of both of these guys, I mean, they were just unreal the way that they looked in the ring. The kind of muscles on top of muscles that Tony Atlas had, Mr. USA, and of course, Soul Man, Rocky Johnson. The physique of, of, Rocky, of Rocky Johnson was just amazing. It just, especially during that time of the 60s and 70s, being a bodybuilder, and uh, he was just 
amazing to look at. You look at The Rock now and you see how big he is. Well, take a look at the physique of Rocky Johnson during his heyday. It's pretty, pretty big. So let's go back in time to Hannibal TV, courtesy of YouTube, where Tony Atlas, just a day after Rocky Johnson passed away, uh, was found and um, he gave his thoughts on the disconnect that he and Rocky Johnson had when they were tag team champions of the WWF. Man, I, I feel very, very sad. You know, me and Rocket, we had our differences uh, in the past, but there's a lot of things about Rocket people don't know. When I first started in the business back in the early 70s, Rocket was working in uh, Florida, and uh, they didn't treat me right, and I told Rocket, and I said, I'm going to quit the business, I'm going to catch the bus tomorrow, and I'm going back to Virginia. I, I don't want to be a wrestler anymore because uh, I didn't like you know, people calling me a nigger and, and treat me like I was a piece of shit. And Rocket said, Tony, they testing you. He said, they do that with all the guys. He said, if you Polish, they're going to call you a dumb Polak and, and, and everything. And if you could take it, then they know that you wanted the boys because we're all going to get teased and picked on by the fans. When you walk through the ring, uh, the fans going to call your name. Wrestlers going to call your name. He said, uh, he said, you got a great future. He said, don't you quit this business. And I said, I'm not. He said, shake my hand and promise you will not quit. And I said, Rocket, I promise you I will not quit. He said, just you got to toughen up, kid. You got to, uh, uh, you know, pull it together. He said, I got called names too. He said, Ivan Puska got called names because he was uh, Polish. He said, there's Italian wrestlers that get called names because they're Italian. And he said, so Superstar Billy Graham got called names because he was Jewish. So he said, you have to suck it up. This is the business. He said, it's not a place for people with thin skin. Don't wear your, your feelings on your sleeve. So I always remember that my career I owe to Rocky Johnson because I would have quit wrestling back in 1975 if it wasn't for Rocky Johnson. Now, I know you stayed in contact with him. Did you have any idea that he was having health issues or anything, or is this a shock to you? Uh, yeah, fortunately, I talked to Rocket three days ago. Me and him just got through talking this weekend. I talked to his wife, Sheila, and, and I asked her, I said, how is the rock door? And she told me, she said, well, he's feeling kind of bad, Tony, but here, let me talk to him. So me and Rocket, we talked on the phone for probably about 10 or 15 minutes, and, and Rocket said, oh, don't worry about me, Tony. I'm going to be okay. I, I'm, I'm going to be A-okay. I said, Rocket, I sure hope so that you be okay because I want to draw another picture of you because you say you were redecorating your house and you want you want stuff to put up on the wall. And he said, oh, that'd be great, Tony. And I said, Rocky, I'm looking forward to seeing you, uh, uh, Master the, the, the Eighth in Albany, New York. He said, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing you, too. And I said, Rocky, please get well. I said, I'd like to see you, brother. He said, don't worry, Tony, I'm going to be okay. Don't worry, I'm going to be okay. Just a matter of cold I got. And that was three or four days ago. So me and Rocket, we kept up. We became a very, you know, we have our, dis uh, uh, our differences, you know, but we never stopped liking each other. I mean, we we got into a lot of arguments. We, we never drew blows or, or punched each other or hit each other, but we got a lot of arguments, a lot of disagreement. And one of the problems for it that I look back on it was because I was involved with drugs and Rocket was not. So Rocket was always on me about taking drugs, stay sober, if you want something, drink a beer, you know, but leave the, leave the hard 
all shit alone. Cause Rockin never did drugs, so he was you know he was anti drugs, so he used to always get on me a lot. So I used to fight with Rockin a lot because you know, and sometimes Rockin would just leave me at the hotel because he didn't want me bringing the drugs into his car. Cause I asked him later, I said, Rocky, why you left me at the hotel without me? He said, he's a kid. He's like, I, I couldn't afford to get, he said, I got a son to raise. I got a wife. I can't afford to get busted on the highway with guys that, that bring drugs with them. Which, I understand that. Did you guys train father, on the road too? Yeah, yeah, me and Rocket worked out together in the gym. We went to the gym together. We drove together. We rode together. We slept in the same room. And, you know, you know, when we were tag team champ, we did everything together. Then when I was in Texas, me and Rocket, we hung out in, in Texas together. We were out in Florida together. And they used to fly Rocket Johnson when I was with Georgia Championship Wrestling. And I was the one that used to go pick him up at the airport. And Rocket would stay at my apartment. And I did make, we'd wrestle and go out to eat together the next morning. I would get in the car and then drive Rocket back to the airport. So we was always friends. We were never really enemies. People talked about us like we were real bad enemies. But I did have a, you know, I was angry at him a couple of times because he, you know, he left me, called me to miss a couple of shows. So I held that against him. But then when Rocket explained why he did it, he, he was, Rocket was so afraid of getting stopped by the cop because he's from Canada. So he was always afraid of getting stopped by the cop. And then they found them drugs on me. Right, because you know he saying? would have been uh, deported or not allowed back in the U.S. to Right, wrestle. Rocket didn't know, yeah, he didn't know what the what the deal was going to be. So a lot of times, you know, if he came by and found out I was stoned or something, Rocket would just keep on going. He wouldn't, uh, you know, he would just, he would say, you know, get a rental car and go. And that's what I did, get a rental car and go. But I blamed Rocket for it, but th- then when I talked to Rocket, this was probably about, Oh, that was here about the around nineteen ninety nine or no, it was at the Hall of Fame in two thousand and seven, me and him talked. When he got inducted in the Hall of Fame. So some thoughts there from Tony Atlas, Mr. USA. Remember they were the first black tag team champions in the WWF and it's good to hear from Tony Atlas. He just got a chance to talk to Rocky Johnson and Rocky said as you just heard from Tony he had a minor cold, everything's fine, and he passed away. So uh, that's really tough. So you know what? Let's hear from Rocky Johnson, too, because I just want to get the other side of this kind of controversy or question marks about their relationship, Tony and Rocky, because that's history right there. Even during that time, it was unheard of in the 80s for, to have these two as tag team champions. It just shows you just in the... In professional wrestling, and still exists today in 2020 in some spots. Professional wrestling has just been so strange about race. And to me, these two were as talented as anyone. Tony Atlas should have been heavyweight champion. Rocky Johnson should have been heavyweight champion. But the time was so different. And that's why it was just stunning to see these two come together as tag team champions. Let's go back to Hannibal TV and Rocky Johnson talking about the relationship he had with Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. When he first started and I tried to help him, but he had the best body in the business. And I can sum it up like Vince McMahon told him, you got a million dollar body, but you have a five cent brain. We'd still be champions. But once we became got champions, he wouldn't make the small towns. He was hard to do business with and Banks came and said, so I go into Washington, D.C. Matter of fact, Sugar Ray Leonard was there. 
you know, was in the back waiting to see me because he knew I was sparred with Ollie and Foreman, and then I became friends with him, and I still am. And I seen Bobo Brazil sitting there. Then I knew something's going on, and they fired him right on the spot right there. Wow. Yeah, and they took the belts from us. And we still going to be champions because we broke it. We were the first black world tag team champion, and they were going with it, and we were selling out. And they were buying it. We were doing 22,000 people at the gardens, 20,000 in Baltimore, you know. And Tony was the bronze. You know, he was picking guys up 300 pounds over his head, but he couldn't work. And he'd do the strong stuff, and then he'd sell and he'd tag me. And I was the guy that was the workhorse. I had to come in with the drop kicks, the shuffle, that. But what he didn't understand, that I was a Samoan chief. I still am. And we work with the Wild Samoans because we beat them. So, and I'm as, as it has it, I'm the chief of their village in, in Apia, Samoa. So who are they going to take care of? Right. So the men and Tony come in, they let him do a couple of things. They stomp him, they beat on him, beat on him, they tag me, and over the ropes I come, and boy, they'd be right there with me. Drop kick, drop kick, punches, jabs, a big right, and they go to the ring, and then I hit him, they go backwards, and the crowd was going nuts. I never ever told him, hey, I'm a chief of their village, but their family. So, you know, so they really took care of me. They, they, we got over real good. But then with Tony, if he made one mistake, he was so worried up that he would, he'd go off just like that. He would forget about the match. And I said, Tony, calm down, relax. But this, put up with him and put up with him. Finally, he called me and said, Rock, I can't take it no more. I'm trying to figure out what did I do? And he told me, he said, you know, he said, but they had fired him before. And when they fired him before, they brought me in. I was in Portland, Oregon. So I knew I could make big money in New York. So I said, New York, coming in. So I went in. Then they get the idea. We never had a black tag team. Then they get the idea. We never had black world tag team champions, which was good in those days, in the 80s. So that's how, they, and they called him and said, we're going to give you a second chance. You're going to work with uh, Rocky's going to be your partner. He didn't have a problem with none of that. But when you outshine somebody, it's always that little bit of jealousy there, you know. And he couldn't figure out, Rocky, every time I come in, they stop me. Every time you come in, they give you this big comeback and make you look like a million bucks. I couldn't say, hey, they're family. Is, that, is everything okay with you guys now, or do you not talk? I, you know, I might as well tell you the truth. I, I talked to him now and then. He signed for that lawsuit against New York. I didn't because I wasn't going to get involved in it. And how can you prove, yeah, you got 10 concussions, but how can you prove you got them all in New York? When you work Texas, you work Virginia, you work Canada, you know. So I stayed out of that. So he ran into some financial difficulty, what, three or four months ago? Longer than that, probably a year ago. So. He called us, we helped him out. We did two shows, like we did the night, two big shows. And he took, instead of saying, can I give you a couple hundred now, and I'll send you a couple hundred a month, he took off on me both times. And that, it wasn't the money part, it's the way he treated me that I lost a lot, a lot of respect for him. Because if I owed you money, and I said, look, I don't have it now, but can I at least give you 50? But he went out the back door both times on me. So, I just stay away from him. He's called a couple times, I never answered the phone, you know. And he means well, and I wish him nothing but the best, you know. We're 
contemplating on doing a movie, The Ring King, you know, the Rocky Johnson story. And we were going to do this thing where we won the belts and he had been perfect because it had been a real shoot, you know. But Dwayne said, we're going to end up probably using Ron Simmons. It's to him. We can't use his name, we know that. So, but we'll call it Soul Patrol, we'll call it something. Well, those are the thoughts from Rocky Johnson on Tony Atlas. I just wanted to get that other perspective. I thought I saw that about a year ago. That's when that interview took place with Hannibal from Hannibal TV uh, on YouTube. So who knows? All I know is that those two made history. And I was looking as I was listening to, to um, Rocky Johnson, all the tag team championships and some of the singles titles he had. So he was at big time wrestling in Detroit and won a tag team championship there. I mentioned championship wrestling from Florida, Brass Knuckles champion, Florida heavyweight champion, Florida tag team champion with Pedro Morales, and Florida television championship. He was a Continental and was a tag team champion with Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant and Soul Train Jones. Soul Train Jones, that guy, you mean Virgil, the guy that you see on AEW now? Very interesting. And just looking at all the other things that he, all the other championships he won in San Francisco, you heard Dave Meltzer talk about his championships in San Francisco, the Pacific Northwest. He was Pacific Northwest heavyweight champion. Portland was a big territory back during those times. Also, was a tag team champion with Iceman Parsons and Brett Sawyer, uh, as well as the. Mid-America champion, and also Mid-Atlantic television champion twice. So he had a lot of championships during his time and was part of the WWE Hall of Fame. We're going to hear a part of that speech coming up in a little bit. But not only was Rocky Johnson a terrific wrestler, but also a pretty good promo, especially talking directly to his fans in Canada. As I mentioned, from uh, Nova Scotia and spent a lot of time in Toronto. Here's the interview with... uh, Billy Red Lions, someone that uh, Canadian wrestling fans know very well. Uh, Billy Red Lions, of course, in the customary tuxedo that 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 WWF announcers wore all the time back in 1984. There he is in his black tuxedo talking to Rocky Johnson. Hello, wrestling fans. Once again, Billy Red Lions here from Maple Leaf Wrestling and all the stars of the World Wrestling Federation. Now, we're going to be going back into the ring with more action in a moment, but before we do, I want to bring in one of the all-time favorites on Maple Leaf Wrestling. He's truly one of the top stars in the World Wrestling Federation today, Rocky Johnson. And Rocky, welcome to Maple Leaf Wrestling. Thank you. I just want to say it's a pleasure Red, to be here. It's a pleasure to be all over Canada. But I just want to say this. A lot of people don't know it, Red, but you do. The pleasure is this, that it all started here for me right in Canada because I was born in Nova Scotia, Canada. I started I started in Toronto. From there, I went all over the world. I've been all over Daddy. I live in Washington, D.C. right now. I make my home there. I'm happy to be affiliated with the WWF. But, brother, coming back to Canada is like me. It's like a bucking horse trying to get out of the shoot, Daddy Red. And I'm ready for all competition because these are my true fellow Canadians right here. Well, thank you, Rocky, for the kind words. And I know, like you say, you wrestled all over the world. You've wrestled basically in the United States, I believe, since you left Canada. And you held every major championship that's worthwhile holding in the U.S. But I know that you're looking forward to coming back to Canada, maybe getting a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship here or at the Intercontinental Championship. That's right. I've had, I got lucky in the past and held a few. I hope I'm trying to get a little bit luckier in the future and hold a few. But like you said, Hulk Hogan's a world champion. He's a great champion. He's a true friend of mine. He's a personal friend of mine. You know, I've been working out with the Hulkster. He's the man responsible for getting me in shape. Like, take a look at this red. 
These ain't 24-inch pythons, brother, but they're 23 They're close to it. So Hulk, Hulk, I'm getting ready, and I got him behind me. I got him backing me up. I got him in. He's got me in training, and all I'm doing, brother, is going after a title. And like I said, I hope it happens right here in Canada. There's one thing I want to ask you. We've been receiving a lot of mail from all our fans across Canada, and, uh, you know, Big John Studd, there's another name that's familiar to you. Uh, he has $10,000 he puts up for any man that's capable that he says could slam him in the middle of the ring. They'll collect the $10,000 check. Now, a lot of fans are saying, well, why not put Rocky Johnson up against him? How do you well, feel about you going what, against brother, John I wouldn't Studd. back down from him or anybody else, but John Studd, he's a big dude, brother. He's 364 pounds, a man 6'10". It ain't no easy task to get in there and pick him up, but I give him a run for his money anytime, any place, or anywhere, Studd. Get out here and run your mouth off, brother. But I'll say one thing about the man. I'm not going to get out here and be stupid and put him down. He can back it up. Like I said, Red, that's all I got to say, brother. I'm glad to be here. And Canada is my home. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Soul Man Rocky Johnson talking to all the fans in Canada as they were doing their particular promo for the area when they were coming to uh, Toronto, I think, for Maple Leaf Gardens during that time. How about Rocky Johnson going into the Hall of Fame in 2008, inducted by his son, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Uh, A lot of fun to see Rocky Johnson finally get his and to see his son uh, put him in the Hall of Fame. That's something really, really special. Let's go back in time to 2008. scene in the 1970s, there was one man that had the look. Big, handsome, you know, a great physique. Guaranteed, you don't get to look like that waiting for the bus, folks. The charisma. Look at the footwork on Johnson. Yes. Hey, look at that Robbie shuffle. And the ability to become a star. That man was Rocky Johnson. Is he excited or is he? The best dropkick in the business. Dropkick, you what set my dad apart from a lot of guys was not the fact that he was this incredible black wrestler, but the fact that he was just this great wrestler. He was doing like kip ups and drop kicks. My dad was awesome. He was awesome. Johnson also married into wrestling royalty. And Rocky Johnson had met Peter Mavia's daughter. There was a lot of tension between my grandfather and my dad at first. My parents, they were not happy campers. Oh, really? You found somebody who? Rocky who? On the brink of superstardom, Johnson's charisma caught the eye of World Wrestling Entertainment. One of the greats in the World Wrestling Federation, would you welcome, please, Rocky Johnson? It was November 15, 1983, when Johnson made history with tag team partner Tony Atlas, becoming the first African-American tag team to win the WWE World Tag Team Championship. Here are the new tag team champions, Tony Atlas, Rocky Johnson. I can't really describe it. You just you have goosebumps all over you. can't realize that, hey, I made history here. And we did. Really soft-spoken, nice guy, extraordinary performer. A true pioneer and true legend. He had an incredible wrestling career. 
the WWE Hall of Fame proudly welcomes Rocky Johnson. It is my great honor to welcome, congratulate, and induct into the 2008 WWE Hall of Fame, my dad, Rocky Johnson. dreams that I would ever be standing here accepting this award. It's a pleasure and an honor. As you all know, I came from a small town in Amherst, Nova Scotia, Canada. And if anybody ever told me that I would grow up and make history and be in a family dynasty, I would have told everybody they were crazy. Through my career, I have wrestled for the National Wrestling Alliance and many smaller promotions overseas. And then finally, for the World's Wrestling Federation, now the WWE, I consider my home. The highest point of my career came in 1983, along with my friend Tony Atlas, when we became the first black team champion of the world. I find it very difficult. I'm kind of lost for words. But let me say this. We beat the Wild Samoans in a tag team championship match. And I think we made history that night. And I'm very, very proud of it. This is a... Thank you. And I love you all, too. I, this is not in my script, but without you, I wouldn't be standing here. This is a very special occasion, made me even more because I shared honor with High Chief Peter Maivia. I know my father-in-law, he's in heaven right now, and I know he's looking down on all of us with a big smile on his face. He was a great man, and I love him to this day, and I really don't like this speech. Because, Leah, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for everything that you've done for me, but not only that, for the business and the Samoan culture. She was one and the only. And thank you. Thank you, Linda. She was the only ever 
Samoan promoter. And I thank her for that. Tehata, how can I ever thank you for the unwavering support through the years? You have to understand that they welcomed me into the Samoan family, and I was so proud to be named the first non-Samoan high chief. And my chief's title is Chief Cassidy Ayatu, and I'm very proud of that. She also gave me something that nobody could ever take from us. She gave me a beautiful son in Duane. What a legacy from Soul Man Rocky Johnson, who passed away, as we've been talking about here in this celebration of his life. I'd like to remind you that next Tuesday, we'll give you a fresh TWT. There's so much to address that we've got to get to because it's uh, Royal Rumble weekend right around the corner. It's uh, when worlds collide, what's going on with AEW and their new uh, renewal of their television contract. And Tessa Blanchard, we got to get into and so much more. But we just thought that this would be best to be able to talk about um, really uh, one of the all-time greats. You think about great wrestlers and great black wrestlers, pioneers in the business. Rocky Johnson is certainly that. We leave you now with Rocky Johnson. From December of 1975, taking on King Curtis for the Florida Championship, here's Gordon Soley uh, back in 75 on Championship Wrestling from Florida uh, describing the action from Rocky Johnson. This past week, the Armory in Tampa, Rocky Johnson and King Curtis were involved in a match, and some very, very surprising situations occurred during that match. We're going to take a look now at the highlights of this match, King Curtis against Rocky Johnson, and watch what happens. In the far corner now, Rocky Johnson taking a lot of abuse from the Florida heavyweight champion, King Curtis Johnson, hurtled out of the ring. Brings his way back in, catches uh, King Curtis, catches him again, and Johnson, of course, with that pro back uh, boxing background, Beginning to unleash some heavy artillery on this man, King Curtis. Now Johnson up in the air. Beautiful flying drop kick. Johnson with that shuffle. Another flying drop kick that puts King Curtis back into the ring ropes. Johnson now tying King Curtis into those ropes. The referee trying to get him to cease and desist, but uh, Johnson drives in with a shoulder smash. Rocky Johnson, the Florida television champion and uh, wanting to be the Florida heavyweight wrestling champion. Johnson very carefully now sets himself up goes up a flying drop kick but Curtis moved aside the referee Sonny Myers hit by that flying drop kick Johnson hurtled to the canvas now trying to come up coming up very slowly and King Curtis obviously here reaching in for something in his trunks now unleashes a volley on uh, Rocky Johnson driving him to the canvas King Curtis Going up on that uh, second ring rope. Rocky Johnson just barely rolled out of the way just in time. King Curtis crashing into the canvas. Again, reaching into his trunks. The second time now that he's reached in there for something. 
obviously a foreign object of some kind. But here's the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, catching King Curtis. Curtis beginning to smash away at the back of Dusty Rhodes, but the American dream blocks uh, Curtis as he tried to run him into that ring post, and now Dusty Rhodes unleashes with whatever that was that King Curtis had in his hand. Dusty Rhodes uh, turned the tables on King Curtis, and Rocky Johnson beginning to uh, come to now, getting a semblance and order about his mind, and Sonny Myers into the ring with an assist from the American Dream. There's the count, the count of three. The count of three, and Rocky Johnson has just acquired the Florida Heavyweight Wrestling Championship, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Mr. Skull himself, in there to uh, offer his congratulations to the new Florida Heavyweight Wrestling Champion. A sensational match, and King Curtis's uh, tactics backfired on him. And what he thought was going to be to his advantage turned to his own disadvantage thanks to the interference of Dusty Rhodes and your new Florida champion is Rocky Johnson.